What's up? Welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, more sad news. It's interesting because when we started this, we ha- we had some really high-profile artists pass away. Prince, notably, was near the beginning of the Nostalgia run. I think we also had a Snape, I'm forgetting his name at the moment, from Harry Potter. Alan Rickman. Yeah, Alan Rickman passing away around that time. We had another big artist die this past week on last friday avici 28 years old found dead i was wondering because i had a really sad reaction to this actually i'm wondering what what your reaction was knowing that we were both in college at the same time and kind of the the impact of avici's career was having especially on the college population around that time i was reading a kind of like an obit piece and i actually was kind of sad i was like wow i, I really do feel sad but yeah to your point our like type our age of millennials mm. college age around that time the 2011 was really the prime of his career. And yeah, he was just really omnipresent for a while. It's weird because you listen to that kind of house music now, obviously levels his biggest hit, which was jumped way up in streams. It'll probably chart for the upcoming week, of course, because everyone was going back to it. Mm-hmm. But like you listen to levels or like silhouettes or like seek bromance. And wow, this definitely does feel like a generation removed from Marshmallow and like Chainsmokers. But he really did really influence those guys. And like Kaigo is an Avicii clone, basically. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of said as much. Maybe the first big musician that was kind of big for us growing up you know a lot of the greats like bowie and prince they affected a lot of other generations like tom petty recently has anyone that was kind of like for us our our age people has anyone passed recently nothing comes to mind you know the first person that you said or when you said that was amy winehouse but i think she was even a little bit before us like the, the impact of her work and the age we were at when she was at her stardom was like high school probably late middle school high school so she was a little bit forced but i can't really think of anyone else that goes along that same parameters you mentioned levels i mean i feel like every party i went to as sienna or off campus at that period i heard an avici song at some point whether it was Mm -hmm. you know wake me up hey brother i feel like was big when i started going to music festivals and then he got really into partying and obviously that that whole scene is very drug and substance abuse based unfortunately and he had health issues and then stopped touring two years ago so i actually never saw avicii even though i feel like i was a pretty avid festival goer there for a while did you ever get to see him live no i haven't seen many djs Uh, our mutual friend nick though did see him he's seen a lot of djs and he was a big fan of course i I did note on spotify this past saturday avicii was the overall top stream artist with 42.9 million streams which was (sighs) even more than J. Cole's 27. We'll get to J. Cole's album later, but Mm -hmm. crazy. But everyone was definitely going back to the well for that one. Absolutely. Sad loss. You know, it's always like the what if game, like what their career would have been like. But, you know, Avicii just had such a wide reach, the impact he had on that genre in general. Oh, one last note for Avicii. He's one of the few EDM songs where I like the original. And I also really like the high profile remix, in this case from Skrillex. Yeah. I, those are I feel like those are songs where both pe- people will listen to both. You know, usually with a remix, you just pick one or the other, and you that's like your go-to. But I feel like for Levels and the Levels remix, they both kind of had their own lane. Yeah, it, Skrillex actually wrote a note about how like he never really was friends with Avicii, but he'll never take Levels out of his set just because it's that awesome of a song and one that he respects. So mm-hmm. definitely a cool move by him. You saw a lot of people outpouring. So if you were a fan of Avicii, 
please leave a comment on this video on our, our videos and subscribe to the channel and tell us your experiences or hit us up on twitter at nostalgiapod also you can find all of our stuff soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod or most platforms that carry podcasts probably jumping into my favorite living artist Kanye west we, we talked about how he's back on the tweeter last week he's been kind of giving out his philosophy on life <laughs> which is something you know we, we talk about fake deep and i mean kanye is like the epitome of fake deep oh for sure but he's been dropping some really cool news at least in the music world push a t album 525 may 25th new kanye solo album seven tracks long dropping june 1st new kanye cuddy collab dropping june 8th also calling themselves kids see ghosts which i mean we'll talk about that in a minute new nas album dropping june 16th a new tiana taylor album dropping june 22nd all being produced by kanye west himself i mean my first thought with this this dude's going through a manic episode <laughs> if he's gonna if he's able to do all this while also dropping a new yeezy line but i'm very excited about all this what was your take good fridays are back in this case not good song releases music. but whole good albums music. pretty crazy you know if you think about all these artists involved i don't know how much of a drain this really is on yay push a t in fact if the album is still called king push it's been a long time coming his last album was december 2015 it's been a while. Cuddy, same deal. And Tiana Taylor, same deal as well. So, And then Nas' album was done, according to Nas himself, on the DJ Khaled album back in 2016. Nas probably scrapped a lot of that and did a lot of new work. But either way, I'm not sure how much of a stress this really would have been on Kanye the production angle. And we talked about his Wyoming escapades and all the people he had were flying out to him you know, like last month, how much of that work was just Kanye album versus people coming to work with him. Like that was just kind of his home base. Who knows? But in the meantime... Fucking exciting, exciting time, man. I mean, kind of funny packing the calendar, too, because Pusha T's dropping the same day as Churches, Kanye and Cuddy, same day as Georgia Smith, and then Nas, same day as Chromio. It's like, wow, those people are probably <laughs> got a date, and then they're just going to get trounced. And what about Drake? What about yeah, Drake, Drake though? June 2018. I have a feeling Drake will do late June. Yeah, got to be the 22nd or 29th. If you think about Drake and Kanye's careers, commercially, Drake's been eating... Kanye's lunch ever since he started. I mean, Thank Me Later outsold My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by a wide margin, and then Take Care absolutely destroyed Watch the Throne, and obviously nothing was the same really beat out Yeezus. So Drake has always had more money, but Kanye has the stands, and you'll see that on Twitter where all of his tweets get fuck ton of retweets. Mm -hmm. But exciting ass time. We'd be remiss not to mention, or at least question, if all these dates hold. That's what I was going to say. How many do you think actually drop when they're supposed to? I mean, do we have any reason to believe that he's going to be more reliable? I mean, last time with Life of Pablo, he was being a perfectionist about it. If you want to be charitable and has anything changed, who knows? Him releasing an album and then a duo album a week later, that's the thing I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about. I mean, Pusha and Tiana Taylor, Nas, sure, those, why not? I have no reason to doubt them. They're not Kanye albums. But the Kanye albums themselves, until a single comes, even if a single comes out, it's really tough until it's actually there. Everyone was waiting at Yeezy Season 3 for Life of Pablo to actually come out, and, you know, it took forever. I agree. I think think the solo one will be okay. The Nas one I'm questionable on because it's been rumored for so long. I'll believe it when I see it type of thing. Same with Pusha. Although I think Pusha's is more probably more likely gonna happen than nas the cuddy kanye collab i mean one that it's just those two collabing is kind of interesting you know cuddy's always been on kanye's albums in some way or at least for most of them in the later half of his career so far but now kind of creating this group kids see ghosts i mean 
kind of a strange name. I mean, I'm looking forward to it because I think about my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Probably one of my favorite songs off that is Gorgeous, which Cuddy is featured on. He sings the hook. He's fantastic. Welcome to Heartbreak was where they first popped up on 808s. and Even on this past one, Father Stretched My Hands, part one. Yeah. Do they have a Yeezus song? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think I don't think they were in a good place at that time, right? They've been on and off. That's true. Of that's true. Yeah, they they have a great rapport, and I think they kind of actually complement each other well. So that should be cool. I actually really like the Kanye or sorry the Cuddy song "The Rage" on the Rampage soundtrack that came out like a week or two ago. I was like, oh, this is like surprising, like kind of like vintage Cuddy. I really like this. You know, just the right amount of hums, <laughs> but mm. it was good. I still have to check that out, but I'm def- definitely very excited for all these projects. June's going to be fucking fire month, so. Yeah, and you know what else? This puts a lot of pressure on Ray Shremmerd. They got to get Shrem Life 3 out the door between now and early May. <laughs> and then ASAP Rocky, another guy who's just starting up an album cycle. I mean, mm-hmm. if you know any, and you want to have any chart play, Rocky really needs chart play right now. It's tough. And then Travis Scott's Astro World, unless Kanye tweets out the date, I'm assuming that's in the fall at this point. So definitely constricting the calendar on everyone. Really cool. I, I think we'll see a lot of those projects get pushed back just so that they're not colliding with probably the force that's mm-hmm. going to be Drake and Kanye. Why don't we jump to some things that happened this week, some some culture we consumed. Westworld Season 2, Episode 1. Ooh. It was an interesting episode. A lot of like resetting. Entertaining at points. I felt very confused and muddled at points you don't say <laughs> i mean i don't know if the two timelines were confusing to you here's a third one let's let's add another aspect into the mix but the quote that stood out to me about this was little ford everything in here is code okay cool everything in here is code everything in this episode seemed like code <laughs> break it down for me dave what stood out to you these violent delights have violent podcasts subscribe nostalgia, <laughs> please. i actually liked the timeline aspect in this because for like a wireframe, I think it's smart. You have the one timeline that's immediately after the season one finale when Dolores shoots four and everyone starts getting fucked. And then you have two weeks later where Frace up on the beach and there's finally like a security like reinforcement presence fixing the damage or figuring out what's going on. So having the season progress or meet have those two timelines meet, I think could be cool. At least the, the construct I think has potential, but of course the concerns we had brought up last week are still present. I mean, in terms of confusion, I mean, they just set up a lot of shit. All right, we have the tiger, Shogun World. Let's get there. There's this new body of water, all these dead hosts. Apparently, Bernard did it. Oh, Teddy's dead. All right, <laughs> but Teddy's with. You have no way of foreseeing what's going to happen. We just have to let it play out. Yeah. I also really like the moment where. They brought in Sizemore, the dickhead like narrator, narrative guy. Yeah. They kind of brought him back in for comic relief. Yep. And Maeve turned the tables on him, having him like stripped down in front of him. Mm-hmm. And they also showed full frontal nudity on a premiere drama for a man. I thought that was a good moment for the show. And then negatives, uh, Tessa Thompson, she's nowhere to be seen in the current timeline. Does she die? I hope not. I hope not either, but it makes sense. I mean, I can't imagine she's going to be super prominent in the show i mean how she's much time so does busy. she have yeah i mean how much time was she even on set you know who fucking knows exactly shooting all these movies a lot of the problems with it just being a lot of table setting and yeah getting everyone up to speed a character a me character b dupe c kind of typical for a, a premiere mm-hmm. for a new season so that's that's fine it's not really much of a critique but it was a long episode it was what 69 minutes not nice i think that should be trimmed down a little bit especially because the finale was 90 minutes, and apparently the fourth episode of the season is an hour and 11 minutes. So you need to justify length, and it's not just a broad statement of quality. 
it wasn't an episode that I, I like I went to bed and I was like, eh, I probably didn't need to stay up to watch this. I could have caught it some other time, but because I want to bring the culture to the people, wanted to get on it. The Bernard stuff is interesting, I think, in, in the sense that, you know, like you said, with the timeline, you're seeing him in the future. Obviously, he's going to catch up at some point and fill in those gaps. I also think it's interesting that possibly you see him talking to Dolores and maybe it's actual alive Bernard and not robot Bernard, which is Yeah, a it could be Arnold. Yeah, like it could a be real... Arnold. I also kind of thought the, the stuff with Maeve is by far the, the stuff I'm most invested in, and Maeve just in general is the person I'm rooting for. I think the man, the man in black had a, a nice moment when he was kind of talking about how there's actual stakes in this now, and the game is real, which does add an element to this, because obviously if the hosts get killed, um, at least I, as far as I'm aware, there's not going to be a way to really reboot them or fix them with the way things are at the moment. Maybe that mm-hmm. will change. So yeah, I think adding stakes to this definitely adds something. There's still parts of this, like Dolores... I just don't give a fuck about Dolores still, but obviously I'm supposed to because it seems like she's the antagonist in this at this point. At least it's more clear. She's not just like the vehicle for the mystery. I'm like, all right, we have to go take the other world for us. Okay, fine. At least there's a, a motivation. At least there's a purpose now. Uh, we'll see what happens. The Man of Black stuff I thought was good. Like the first scene he has, he's like he realizes every, it's everything he wanted. The stakes are real. Cool. And then... There has the whole other scene with Ford, which just kind of like hammers it home with a big whiteboard in case you didn't notice <laughs> right. or catch it the first time. I was like, I thought that was a little superfluous. Another thing, when you first get the the present timeline, you realize, oh, Westworld and all the other parks are on some island, Asian Pacific yeah. area. I was like, all right, I guess this is a big ass island if there's like a Grand Canyon <laughs> thing and all these other worlds, whatever quickly answers a mystery that didn't really need answering but the one thing i'm hopeful for and i didn't really even catch it the first time until i was you know reading shit online but one of bernard's flashbacks there's one with dolores in like a like a black dress like a contemporary getup, not like westworld attire so are we going to see more of the outside non-parks world that westworld takes place in i hope so because the society that allows you to go play rape and murder is actually probably more interesting than the world where the rape murder happens. But what about that Shogun world, though? Yeah, dog. Can't wait to see where, where, where that tiger's coming from and why it's washed up on that shore. So the... Also, Luke Hemsworth, not dead. Don't know how, <laughs> but he's not dead. Definitely some surprises, some some good stuff, some not some, so good stuff. We'll be checking out Westworld after a couple more episodes. Or if there's an episode that really stands out, we'll be commenting on it. Give us your thoughts at NostalgiaPod. I know that a lot of people stand for this show, so we want to hear from you. Tell us why we should like it more. Something I think you liked a lot more than his last album, J. Cole's K.O.D. I saw you tweeting about it. You seem to be very high on this album. Talk me into it, because I am not as high on this album. Yeah, well, I think part of it is that J. Cole's fourth album, For Your Eyes Only, was not very good. It wasn't nominated for a Grammy. It did fucking big numbers, 492,000 first week, because Cole's a force. But it was an album that was preachy, slow, not fun to listen to, really. Only really one song I ever go back to is Neighbors, which I think is a really good song. But overall, it wasn't a good record, and that came out December 2016. That record really symbolized J. Cole as an artist, his transformation from being this kind of more woke, thoughtful guy. He's like the same age as Drake, and he's been around just about as long. But his career has really changed up over then, and now he's kind of like rap's contrarian, which I think is a good role for him. But KOD has a lot of the similar messaging for your eyes only, but I think it's a little more focused, and more importantly, the beats are better. 
He doesn't sing as much, only sings hooks, which is fine. And these are songs that I actually want to listen to again, which I think is a big change from For Your Eyes Only. I don't think it's that preachy because the whole album isn't about what what he talks about in 1985, which is like the song that's getting all the attention. I think overall, it's a it's a quite a solid record. So when you say it's more focused, what do you see the focus of this album being? Well, that's that's the thing. Like he does have a kind of paint kind of a broad brush. Obviously, like Cole's a punchline for stuff, and his fans are really overzealous. So there's easy jokes to be made, but a fair critique would be that he isn't as deep as he thinks he is. He's just kind of saying like basic observations. It's not that he's just saying bullshit or like fake deep shit like XXX or something. Like he actually is saying things, yeah. but maybe he still thinks it's a little deeper than it really is, you know, um, which I think is a fair fair statement. But I mean, he's not run the jewels level lyrics, I think, which is it's a fair baseline to start with. I think he's a very good lyricist. I think he can write great rhymes and he does go in on some of these songs but i feel like if there's one song that epitomizes j cole and everything that he could be but everything that he actually is unless it's friends because on friends he is tearing everything apart and talking about all these things that make society terrible and have bad influences and then his his overall message is meditate don't medicate bro <laughs> j cole you fucking nailed it dude but like that's the thing is that song is fucking fire until that and then you're just like come on like if, if he had like something to really hammer that home or some like awesome message or even if it just like it led into something that seemed like it was more but i just i always leave j cole records wanting something more and that's the thing is he's all he always disappoints me and i think that's fair i think that's why my still favorite j cole record is his third one 2014 four Hills drive because he wasn't as ambitious lyrically on that, and he just had like six or seven hits on it. Mm-hmm. I love all those songs. Those songs are bangers, and I saw them live, and they were awesome. So it was almost like a less is more project for me, whereas KOD, I think, is kind of a return to form where he kind of has more of the hit making from 2014, yeah. and then some of the lyrics from For Your Eyes Only, but without the put you to sleep beat selections. Yeah, and Photograph also, just a super weird song, just like like the Oompa Loompa type I will keep her for myself. I was like, all right, bro, do do your thing. But yeah, 1985 bangs. That song goes hard. What's thinking about that? 1985 is more or less a trap beat. Mm-hmm. But then you listen to it, and he starts off with a Kanye We Don't Care interpolation, yep. which was fucking fire. I wonder how yep. many people actually catch that, you know, young fans, but that was <laughs> great. And then he just kind of goes in on SoundCloud Generation and glorification of, you know, Lean and Activists and Xanax and shit. Yep. And... He doesn't say any, any uh, rapper by name, but Little Pump already responded, and he was like, congrats for dissing a 17-year-old, which in a sense is like, all right, that, that's a fair response, I suppose. But I still think it was it was a, you know, he had a good message on it. And like, you, you see the cover with all the people, all the kids like, you know, strung out on all the Different. various popular drugs right now. Mm-hmm. Someone needed to say these things, and it, it really helps when it's coming from someone people care about. Like, if Arya Rugged Man was saying all this shit, he probably does already say this shit. Like, no one gives a fuck, <laughs> right. you know? But, like, it, someone with real influence and people that has real respect, I think it goes it goes a longer way. Yeah, 1985, amazing song. Yeah, quick side note, that album art is fucking fire. Great. Yeah, definitely. Great album art. This J. Cole record, it, it's like a C, C plus, I think. I think he's got better better works ahead. It's a, it, it's bare minimum third best record. Depends where you have Born Sinner, his second one. Mm-hmm. I still have 2014 first just because that just for the sheer hits. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I think this has a lot of good cuts. I think the intro, tr- uh, the title track, KOD, uh, which 
broke the Spotify streaming record, beating out Drake. Crazy. ATM, I think, is good, or his video. And then, like, songs like Kevin's Heart, uh, where it has, like, a singing hook, but, like, it actually has, like, a good message. And I, I think there's a lot here. Yeah, there's definitely. It's just, like, when 2014 Forest Hills came out, people were, talk, were talking about him and Kendrick in the same stratosphere. And now Kendrick mm-hmm. has catapulted himself so far above and and he i mean i would say lyrically or at least like the way that they write and and deliver their rhymes are pretty i think on the same level but kendrick is just so much more inventive and uh takes so many so many more chances that land uh, artistically it's they're not even close at this point kendrick's so granular with his references and his double entendres and stuff it's tough to really compare anyone to that but i also think that's kind of like a arrow in Cole's quiver because we're comparing him to Kendrick because he's basically the next best thing in that department. Just because he's definitively not Kendrick Lamar isn't necessarily a bad thing in my opinion. I think this record really does help stabilize his status as in that top three alongside Drake. Yeah, man. Not everybody can be LeBron, I guess. So sometimes you got to be second. And first week, it's going to be projected 375 to 390,000 first week. Biggest album release of the year. Pretty good. Beating out Cardi. And for an album that wasn't even promoted either. Exactly. Pretty great. Why don't we jump to You Were Never Really Here. So this is a movie you saw a couple weeks ago. I was able to catch it this weekend. Lynn Ramsey wrote and directed this thing. Joaquin Phoenix stars as Joe. This was premiered at, at Cannes last May. And Phoenix won the Best Actor Award. And Ramsey got the Best Screenplay Award at Cannes for this. Also received a seven-minute standing ovation after its first showing. So a lot of hype around this. It's got an 87% Rotten Tomatoes currently. It's on limited release. Not in a lot of theaters right now. I know that you like this movie. And there's a lot to like about this movie. But I want to start off by asking, were you as frustrated as I was with the first like 30 minutes of this movie? Relies so heavily on the editing of it. And and it's done for effect. And it makes total sense by the end of the movie why they're doing that. Because you're kind of piecing things together as Joe is for a lot of it. But for the first 30 minutes, I just wanted them to like show me a scene. And like show me like that whole scene with, with him and his mother and his, and his dad when he's a kid. Or show me like the whole scene about some flashback to when he's in the army i just wanted to get it and then it all comes together it's so like right it feels so good but i was like halfway i was halfway through i was like fuck i just want to know what's going on yeah the storytelling is definitely unconventional because as you learn joe is not well yep ptsd mental instability whatever it may be but yeah i mean lynn ramsey doesn't waste a single frame no in this in this movie <laughs> everything's done for great effect um and this is actually only her fourth movie. I'm at, I haven't seen any of her, her films, but apparently her 1999 movie Ratcatcher is like a modern classic in, in the film circles. So I want to actually check out her movies. This is her first movie since 2011. Apparently she's held in quite uh, high esteem, but is not the most prolific director. But so definitely nice to discover someone new that I'm clearly missing out on. But yeah, in terms of the editing, I mean, there was that motif with like the subway going left to right. Yeah. And you like the vantage of New York City. I thought that was a really cool shot. Mm-hmm. And then I also really noticed when Joaquin is a few moments of it when Joaquin Joe's driving the car and he's like swaying in the seat and the camera's kind of like shifting on the hood. And I was like, "That's fucking Taxi Driver." That was awesome. It was Taxi Driver, and it was Heath Ledger's Joker. And I was like, yeah. "Yes, give me this as the Joker right here." And I think that's the moment I was like, "Oh wow, Joaquin is just so committed to this performance, <laughs> yeah. and he's doing it in a movie that is incredibly unconventional in terms of the storytelling." And I was like, "Wow!" Like I was just kind of blown away, and that says a lot because the plot of this movie is something that when you're initially watching it, as you said, you're like, 
just give me a little more. Like, what, what is what is going on? You realize the plot is simple, but also not the point. I love that. Yeah, the, the, it's a really good way to put it, that the plot is simple, but not the point. It was funny. There's pieces of it that you don't even know if that's really how things go down. I guess spoilers, if, if you're listening to this and haven't watched the movie yet, skip forward like a couple seconds. But like the whole thing with the Lieutenant Governor Vado or the running mate Vado committing suicide, you don't know if that actually happens. You don't know how the deals go down between the governor and lieutenant governor or the senator, I guess. And really, you're relying on Joe as a pretty unreliable narrator to piece this whole thing for you together and let you make your judgments on what's going on. And I think Phoenix plays everything with such, it's such like realism even for for someone who's so messed up there were points when, I, when you question his motives why is he doing this is is he also got kind of like this affection for young children in this at, at points and you're like why right. why when he kills that henchman and he lays down with him on the kitchen floor like what is he getting out of that and how does that play into his psychology it's a really awesome film that really dives deep into somebody who's clearly unwell the score also was mm. like a lot of music in this movie yeah and perfect uh, you know i mean they used a lot of like old time music but the the score which just sounded like people were like plucking piano strings was freaking something i'd never heard what else stood out to you about this movie i thought the moments with his mom were really good both provided you like great levity they actually had like some good back and forths that were funny and it also clearly grounded joe as a character and kind of provided his whole motivation for persevering i think there was a, a time where that burial scene in the lake with the rocks and stuff i mean that was a little heavy-handed but that could have like gone off the rails but i think it ultimately works because the rest of the movie is so strong if anything's gimmicky it's probably the hammer fight he has through like the sex house but it's done through security cameras like you didn't need to shoot it that way but it, it didn't really detract or anything i mean again like joaquin you have like the moments with his mom that are so light-hearted the moments with the girl that are so tender and then the actual fighting scenes with the hammer which are so fucking brutal absolutely the ending too where he has like the the suicide fantasy and all, all the hallucinations and stuff the story is about the how he is caught up in this plot to save this girl that goes horribly awry and everybody around him gets killed but really it's about him dealing with his trauma it's a pretty significant movie i think in in that regard because i don't think anyone's ever at least none that I can recall really have done a look into how like that kind of childhood trauma plays into a situation like this. I don't know how many people I would even think of this, honestly. Why don't we move on, though, to something that I know that we're both really pumped for. We'll be talking about next week on Nostalgia Pod. Avengers Infinity War. Give us a little background on this movie. I mean, there's a lot to go into, but give us like the, the basic what what is this? What is it? Film 18 for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe. 10 years in the running ever since Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk started off in 2008. This is the culmination, well, not even the culmination, but it's kind of like the culmination thus far of Phase 3, which kicked off with Captain America Civil War in summer 2016. But it's a movie we've known about for a long time. The threat of Thanos, played by Josh Brolin, was first teased in uh, Avengers, where you learn that he was the one prompting Loki to have the Chitauri people invade New York City. That was in 2012. That was a long time ago. That was the last movie of Phase 1. Yep. There's been a lot of Marvel movies since then, a lot of, a lot of movies in general. And the fact that we're finally at this point, it's kind of hard to believe because I remember thinking, ah, oh, it's so far in distance. I don't even care what happens. It's so far away. Oh, now it's here. We've seen the trailers. A lot of spots for it. It's crazy. Yeah, 10 years in the making. I mean, kind of crazy that this has all led up to this. There's a lot of talk about who's going to be left standing after this movie. I mean, to kind of create some stakes in this, people have to die. Um, and mm -hmm. also, there's actors who have been doing this for a while that I think 
don't want to do it anymore. And also, I think they probably want to cut the fat and say, let's move on and put these people at the forefront and kind of start building around these new characters. You know, obviously, like T'Challa, the new Spider-Man, Chris Pratt, Star-Lord, all people Mm -hmm. that I think they know are going to be there. They're starting rotation for a while. So we wanted to look at, say, like what we think is going to happen in this movie, particularly who we think is going to not make it through this movie. It's also important to remember they could make it through this movie and not make it through Avengers 4. Yeah, I think that's something that's kind of being lost with a lot of discussion about like who's going to die. Because like, the general assumption is that like, the stakes have been relatively safe up to this point, but now Thanos is going to kick some ass and people are, heads are going to roll. And also conveniently, in the real world, contracts are up and yeah. actors want to leave, right? It's right. a perfect storm. But how much of this actually happens in Infinity War versus what happens in the sequel next May? And the sequel does not have an official name. Some people are thinking that it may be a spoiler, the title, so that's why they're withholding it. And like, there's the potential that this kind of like sets up Marvel to be much more cosmic-y in space. Obviously, we get Captain Marvel next year. We assume a Doctor Strange 2 would happen. Kevin Feige just talking about a Nova movie. Guardians Galaxy 3 is happening. Marvel probably is not going to... And Kevin Feige said this. Marvel's not going to look the same once this final Infinity War movie comes out. And part of that's going to be because some of these heavy hitters that we've known for a while played by big actors are not going to be here anymore yeah so well when we jump in with, with some predictions uh, i mean who, who who feel like the odds-on favorites to not make it through this movie well i think you kind of have to start with who's definitely surviving and you can say who's surviving right. both of these i think do you mention them right guarantees tom holland's peter parker guarantee we have homecoming sequels coming but he was a home run mm-hmm. sony also kind of owns him they're not killing him no no way T'Challa's Black Panther. Literally the highest grossing superhero movie of all time. They're not killing him. Nah, we're Plus just, we're just going to cut that guy out. We don't want that. Plus, he, he has at least one Black Panther movie on his contract yep. after the Infinity War sequel. So, no way. I think Doctor Strange is pretty safe. We yep. don't have the sequel officially announced. I think that's just like they've been holding. Like It's definitely like in production behind the scenes, but they haven't announced it yet. I think that's kind of because like the let's let Infinity War happen first thing, right? Ant-Man, uh, Scott mm-hmm. Lang, Paul Rudd. Well, Ant-Man 2 comes out a few months afterwards, so there you go. <laughs> but again, he's also new, hasn't been in a lot of the movies. Right. Um, and then I think most of the Guardians of the Galaxy are safe, at least Chris Pratt for sure. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is happening. We assume Adam Warlock will be in that movie. And James Gunn like really loves those characters, and he's been the caretaker of the Guardians, right? So do they kill like one of the supporting players? Maybe Nebula or Gamora, considering they're the daughters of Thanos? Could see that, but most of them will make it out. Yeah, it, it's also interesting. Cause I go back and forth on Black Widow because I'm pretty sure they're doing a Black Widow movie, correct? Yeah, not officially announced, but that was one of the few Marvel like reports that actually was in the trades earlier in the year that there's early work on that. And I think if anything, there's also like the sense of will the character die or will the character leave and then be technically alive in case they bring her back? Maybe Black Widow's gone, not with the Avengers anymore, but then if they want to make that movie, they can, or that movie's going to happen in the past. Like, who knows? And I think Bruce Banner, the Hulk, supposedly, Ruffalo. Ruffalo has six more movies on his contract. It's been very publicly talked about. Now, this is also the type of thing where people could be putting this sort of news out there or intentionally talking up these things to lead you off the scent. So. Yeah, well, it was, a, it was a six film contract, but he's only done. Avengers 1 and 2 and, and Ragnarok. He was yeah. in Civil War. So there's still half of that left. And Universal kind of owns a solo right. So I don't think they want to get rid of that possibility either. So Hulk's pretty safe, I think, too. All right. Anyone else that's safe that you think is worth mentioning? 
I guess most of the supporting players in Black Panther are safe. Yeah. Uh, at least Shuri, Okoye, Mabaku. I think most of those people, if not all of them, will make it out just be, for the sake of keeping the Black Panther area safe as well. And like supporting characters like Wong, uh, Doctor Strange's homie by, played by Benedict Wong. I think he's pretty safe. Wasp, obviously. Hawkeye. Yes, no? No. I, he hasn't he's been definitely in not. He's definitively not safe. Not man. safe. <laughs> but what about uh, Anthony Mackie's Falcon? Falcon. Again, another one who's you can't declaratively say. I think they're definitely in a separate tier. I actually think Mackie's more safe than someone like Hawkeye because if if Cap goes down, yes. which is heavily rumored that Captain America will not make it through this movie, I think that he would be someone to kind of step into that role. Him and Bucky, I mean, Sebastian Stan is going to be the new Captain America, spoiler alert. It's interesting because I've gone back and forth on that a lot too. It's because... Do you want to keep both Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie around post Chris Evans? You don't have to, but maybe you could. Apparently, Sebastian Stan has that monster contract yeah. that's not anywhere close <laughs> to being done. But Anthony Mackie also is like a big fan of working on these movies. He's like mm-hmm. not tired of it. He's happy to be involved. Right. So both of those characters have been Captain America in the comics before, so you could see either way. But yeah, probably both will make it. You can't rule it out, but Hawkeye, like, Jeremy Renner, isn't built on the poster at all. That's like a thing in contracts. Like that's not just like a they don't just do that to hide him. He's barely in this movie, but he also was at that Vanity Fair shoot. Like there's the picture of him on the one of the magazine covers. With so that he's new haircut, dog. Does that just mean like Hawkeye's like a quick death? The way like Vision basically gets killed in the trailer. So Thanos gets the stone. Who knows? Hawkeye and Vision are my two. Maybe Cap survives till the next one, but like Hawkeye and Vision like write them off doc i mean vision is pretty much the only one that we know for certain but hawkeye is definitely up there i could also see something where hawkeye actually ends up being just having everybody go to his safe house and just like hang out for a bit and pulls the team back together you never know jeremy renner's just flipping houses flipping safe houses and uh (laughs) you know trying to get the team on board all right so who else here what about loki i think loki kicks it at least by the second one i agree i think loki's definitely not going to be there but what about thor so thor's an interesting one you, you see him taking a, a quite the beating in the trailer getting his head crushed but he also has expressed that he wants to do another movie with with the director of ragnarok yeah so. taika waititi yeah apparently the russos had said that the two characters with the most screen time are thanos and thor and then dr strange is close behind does thor get a lot of screen time and then make it out i don't know i mean ragnarok was kind of a great convenient bow on that thor trilogy mm-hmm. loki his usefulness to the story isn't there anymore he's been it's been a great arc for him in general thor is kind of similar if thor does survive like what is the future in this cosmic mcu phase four like it's gonna is he gonna be like a a bit player that comes in once in a while similar to like how robert downey jr was in homecoming mm-hmm. i don't know but he's one i can't quite like figure out i'm like i could really see him dying but also, I feel like they wouldn't kill any of the big three. They wouldn't kill more than one in the same movie, I don't think. Because we haven't really talked about but Iron Man seems like another person that probably is not going to make it through both of these movies. I think, if anything, I would see Captain America dying in this first one as like a, something that like unifies the team together. Some people rally around, and then probably Iron Man bites the dust in the second one although you you see all these people getting their stuff kicked in by thanos you see iron man taking a real beating you see captain america holding that fist it's gonna be some action for sure i like your predictions on nebula and gamora i think that they're at least on the block if nothing else any any others that we should be looking for in this i think scarlet witch is actually safe she's a character that 
most fans were pretty ambivalent to her. Like, no one's like a huge Scarlet Witch head. But I don't think that's a reason to kill her. If anything, that's a reason to build her up. I think DC is proving right now that female characters in these movies are really popular and deserve to be there that's kind of the case for keeping black widow around as well it's just build these characters up characters up i, I don't think a scarlet witch solo movie is ever going to happen but maybe she could find her way into a doctor strange film mm-hmm. she has got romance with vision apparently they've been doing press saying that there's more of that in this movie which would probably be short-lived when vision gets <laughs> his ass kicked but yeah i think she's safe too so you have to figure out who do you think dies now versus later iron man or cap i think ultimately both will be gone by the end of these two infinity war movies i guess there's a possibility that downey stark walks away for good in case they want to have an, uh, him come back in 10 years i guess it's a possibility but steve rogers captain america definitely dying by the at least the end of the next one yeah it's interesting because you talk about red wit red witch and it's the type of thing where I think if, if you only kill her off or if it or only killing off supporting people, it, it almost cheapens this. It's like Exactly. You've been you've been building up to this promise and then everybody's making it through, like what are the real stakes here? I think someone like Captain America, someone like Iron Man has to die to make this see make Thanos seem like the villain that he's been built up to be. Yeah, I agree. Any other predictions for this movie? Anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, I mean, if you watch the trailer, it seems like a lot of the characters are going to be in Wakanda. All the Black Panther people, Cap is there with Bucky and Scarlet Witch. And then you have Iron Man in the back, like the Hulkbuster armor from Age of Ultron, right? Assumingly, that's Stark. So a lot of people are there. Where How does Doctor Strange fit into this? You know, this is his only his second movie, if you don't count Ragnarok. And this will be his first time meeting most of the team. I mean, they have that joke with him meeting Spider-Man in the trailer, which is kind of funny. So how does, like, the cosmic element work? There's that he has, like, Thanos has, like, I forget the name of him. It's like his, like, four horsemen or whatever. One of which is voiced by Carrie Coon, randomly. Ah, uh, yeah. So seeing those people, which I assume will just be in fights, I don't think any of them will be consequential, but that'll be cool. And I think ultimately, I think the thing about this movie is it's unlikely to match Black Panther in box office. I think that's obvious. I mean, these expectations are so high that it's probably going to be treated unfairly. I don't know if the movie can deliver on all the hype, especially because it's the first of two. And if you look at, you know, dollars, I think it's not a guarantee to be the second highest grossing mcu movie that doesn't make it a failure either they're playing against themselves at this point but it's a very interesting movie both in and out of universe that was actually gonna be my question is like how do you set expectations for something like this never been done before to the especially on this magnitude and i mean it's gonna be definitely the highest grossing movie probably for the next couple weekends the thing is though deadpool also comes out may what 23rd is 17th well, yeah. If you if we were if we recall, Infinity War was originally the first weekend of May, and they pushed it up to April twenty seventh, this Friday, to match the international release date. Traditionally, all the Marvel movies were released internationally a week before. Maybe that was a spoiler decision. Maybe that was to give Solo some more breathing room. Uh, we don't know, but either way, it doesn't have any competition for f- the first two weekends following. Then Deadpool two followed by Solo short after. It will definitely have the runway to make a shit ton of money. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, regardless of what movies it was up against, it's going to make a shit ton of money. But especially after Black Panther took off the way it did, it's it's almost like this movie can only uh, come up short, you know, because people are always going to be comparing it to that. But I think what this movie can do is set up next year's movie to, to really ball out and, and to really showcase some new people, really showcase the new team, build on that next stage. Because in reality, that's that's what this has all come to, is that they're, they're, they built up this first stage. They're like, okay, 
this is the the apex of it then we're moving into the second one this is how we're going to transition it out with some major players dying some other ones taking you know moving to the forefront and here we go you know it's a, it's a machine and that second infinity war film for 2019 i mean it's so hard to predict anything that happens and that just and that that's probably why the title is being held like it's probably going to be cosmic as fuck there might be time shifting elements with doctor strange who knows it's gonna change a lot of things but like everything we kind of th- thought of with like the main fight is probably going to culminate in this movie coming out this friday gonna be crazy so definitely definitely interesting this actually will be the first year that star wars isn't the top movie of the year at the box office because first black panther is number three all time already but also solo isn't expected to make force awakens money it's gonna make probably just rogue one money and rogue money money is really good of course billion dollars but it's not enough to top number three all time so Will Infinity War also outgrow Solo? Probably. Interesting year. Definitely going to be interesting. And I almost consider that, actually, I mean, we talked about the problems with Solo, but Rogue One was a story It only had elements and pieces of the real Star Wars story. And obviously, this Han Solo story is different from the actual like Star Wars trilogy, all that ip but i mean you have han solo and the fact that we're saying oh it's probably gonna only make rogue one money it's like han solo was one of the most beloved characters in star wars to not be able to capitalize on him i think would be or at at least to like the extent that the other movies have been is actually a miss by disney it's weird too because on one hand this is coming out only five and a half six months out from last jedi i suppose the traditional year to year in december so the whole star wars fatigue angle that is naturally happening at the box office will probably be expounded upon but then you also have the whole production issues and the fact that a lot of vocal people on the internet rightfully so and if that's how they want to feel don't want this movie to exist and aren't happy that someone else is playing on solo but how much does that translate to dollars? Right. I think early tracking, which is still obviously way far away, has like a hundred fifty million opening weekend, which is still tremendous. Mm-hmm. But that's not the two twenty that last Jedi made. You know, it's interesting. Actually, you talked about like that Star Wars fatigue. Do you, what do you think would have to happen for some Marvel fatigue? Because I mean, you have Black Panther, you got Infinity War, then you have Deadpool all coming out in like a three month span. That matter. Deadpool doesn't really is an MCU right separate. I mean, we haven't had it yet. What's going to change? I think unless this whole new Marvel team, Sans, Iron Man, and Captain America is suddenly less interesting. But like Ant-Man did did really fine, did great overseas. And Doctor Strange made good money. Like the low end of this spectrum is like, what, 700 million? <laughs> and like, that's not going to happen. I mean, they're going to make like 400 minimum here. And they're going to make probably 1.5 times that overseas like Mm -hmm. these things are just so reliable and we saw what guardians of the galaxy people characters that no one gave a flying fuck about it's happening year over year and the quality might dip a little bit and obviously there's detractors and critiques to be had but like they just are movies and they represent them alongside star wars and then when dc and x-men are good too it's like the few movies that really matter the movies that you need to see right when they happen that's just not gonna change overnight no it's not and i also think because they've built up so many different characters and get people to invest in so many different characters like you can take chances with these movies you can give it to you know you can do a thor ragnarok you don't have to you know always be formulaic or always be true to like the the star wars mindset which you know you get someone like lord miller and then you take it away from them it's like you're not really trying to take chances you're trying to make star wars movies which is fine star wars movies are great but like marvel's built up such a trust from their fans and such a a stan fan base it's you can do stuff like this and take chances 
well, I think there's two different sects of fans too. I mean, when Last Jedi does things that aren't what fans wanted or expected or think of when they think of Star Wars, there's outcry. Right. And whether that's not because the movie is bad, just because it's different, right? Marvel hasn't even come close to having that kind of situation yet. Oh, the co- the costumes are not comic accurate. The portrayal is way different. They, like, it's minor shit. The reverence for comic lore is not the reverence for Star Wars. Right. So, again, it's, it is really apples and oranges. This movie is going to be uh, going to be something for sure. So we'll be talking about it next week. Yeah, we'll be talking about that. What else we got on the docket? Janelle Monet. Ah, Friday, my girl. Same day. Dirty Computer. First album from her in, was it five years? Right? Yep. 2013. All the lead singles have been fucking awesome. I really like Pink. Tessa Thompson back in that video. Really excited for that record. Yeah, it's going to be great. So we got... Yeah, I mean, already a pretty star-studded. We could talk about maybe we'll touch on some Atlanta and some other TV. I'm supposedly Barry's episode this week is supposed to be great. Not sure if you've been up on that, but been really enjoying that show. So lots of talk about. If you want to engage with us, go to at Martin Swagger, at Sheeny World Peace, and at Nostalgia Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Go to SoundCloud. Like our stuff. Give us a rating and review on itunes we appreciate all the support and feedback any last words for the folks dave no i mean post malone also drops on friday i'll be listening to that out of uh necessity do not have high expectations of course but um we'll probably report back on that as well go play levels peace out yeah.